think. Act and prosper. You are now tuned into the Money Level Show. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Money Level Show. It is Daryl Dominic, and today I got a special treat for you guys. This gentleman right here actually. Uh, I used to mentor. He was about 16 years old uh, at the time when I mentored him. And now he's all grown up with the he got the goatee and everything. He's looking sharp. My guy, Matthew Martinez, who is a certified financial planner and a financial advisor. And he he does a lot of things in the, in the realm of finance. And so, Matthew, go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. How's everybody doing? I hope you're doing well, Daryl. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. It's been a long time coming. Um Let's just say when we touched base the other day, I did not expect to see the direction you had gone. And I'm I'm quite honest, I'm happy that we both kind of touched base when I was younger. We touched base again and, and things took off from there. So so it's a pleasure to be here, my friend. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. I I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to do this for the people. Uh and so just just so y'all y'all get um a little information on, on Matthew, he's he's uh one of the top in the nation, he uh, he went to um, an internship and in, as for the top 100 uh, interns in the nation for uh, doing financial advising and financial planning. Uh, you know, he he went to college for this, and he's working at Northwestern Mutual, where he uh, helps his clients build good portfolios. He helps them um, uh, build wealth for the future, and, and helps them, you know, through the education process of learning how this this thing and this life of wealth building works. And so I appreciate you coming on. Uh, so go ahead and give the people a little backstory of how you gotten into the the world of finance. Sure, 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 sure. Um, I'll try to keep it quick because I'm I'm a long winded person, but I'll just just let me know if I'm on time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for um, sure. So really, it started in my undergrad. I was in university, and um, shout out to Vikings, Cleveland State. Okay, okay. my haters, stay where you at. You know, it is what it is. Um, but I was in my undergrad, and I had started, you know, like in engineering. Right, I have a twin brother, so we were super competitive. So I'm like, my brother's doing medical. I'm gonna be an engineer. I forgot Boom. you had Jump a twin, in. man. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I jump into that, you know, me being competitive. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be great. I'm going to be an engineer. Hated it, man. H hated every single second of that. So switched my major. Started doing uh, 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 supply chain. Yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to be supply. Hated that also. Switched it again. Linguistics. Hated that. So I just switched my major like four or five times <laughs> because I did not realize I had no idea what I wanted to be. Right. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know how, how I wanted to give back to the community. And so really, I was just spending too much money on on stuff that I was never going to use. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Myself trying to convince my parents, oh, I got it all taken care of. Don't worry, guys. You know, smiling when I get home, leaving super upset, super depressed, super sad, because I'm just aimlessly going in a direction that's not that's not adding value. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so. I got into business and I got into marketing because I was always like an artistic kid. I would draw, I would do music, just things that, that helped me express myself. And so I, I was uh, in marketing and I really love marketing. I think I can sell a pencil to anybody. Let me know when you want to have that challenge. We can do that. I promise you, you buy it. Um, but <laughs> to that point, I felt I had found my calling. It was in marketing. This is what I need to do. This is how I'm going to change the world. Right. And then I had an epiphany and wait, wait a minute. If I stay in marketing, let's say I work for Coca-Cola, let's say I work for Sherwin-Williams or Adidas or whatever. 
my job in that point is just convincing people that this company has a product that they need, mm-hmm. whether it be soda, whether it be food, whatever. And to me, I was like, wait a minute, how am I improving my community by convincing people to buy stuff that they already have? Yeah, yeah. In my yeah. opinion, I'm not, right? And so that hurt me a little bit because I finally felt like after I was, dude, I was in college for almost seven years, man, just trying mm-hmm. to figure it out. I'm like, after all this time, all these switches, I finally found what I want to do. And then it, it dawned on me like, man, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to say that I'm adding to the community, say that I'm giving back and not really doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I, I was defeated because I thought I found it and I had, and I didn't want it anymore, you know? Yeah. And then one day by the grace of God, uh, an advisor comes in CFP. He's like, Hey, we're doing this internship, top 100 internship in the United States. If you get in, it's a big deal. If you don't stay, no big deal. You know, mm-hmm. it, it'll just be on your, on your resume and you'll get hired anywhere. I'm like, Okay, what do I need to do? I got in, got into the program. In my starting class, there was 15 people. There's only two left and I'm one of them, right? So top 100 internship. And then the following year, I got into the top 100 interns in the whole United States. So in every state, there's about two or 3,000 interns. There was only 100 that made it to this program. And I got in. I was like, okay, so I'm doing pretty good, right? I I still don't quite know what I'm doing. I still don't know, you know, the importance of planning. And then it clicked. I was like, wait a minute. As a planner, as a a financial planner, as an advisor, I'm able to give back because, be honest with me, bro. How many people in middle school, high school, college told anyone in the Afro-Latino community anything about taxes, anything about investing, anything about business, anything about the importance of retirement? We've never learned those things ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so to me, it was super powerful to say, wow, I'm going to be the first person, at least in my community, to my knowledge, to be able to give back something that's actually valuable, Mm -hmm. that's actually worth something. And it doesn't cost nobody nothing but time. Right. The most important asset we have is time. Right. And so I was like, and so I just that's what I've been doing, man. I just stick into it, teaching my community, teaching my churches, teaching my high schools that I went to, teaching the colleges that I went to just doing speaking with anybody I can, because the reality is everyone wants to be wealthy and build wealth for their family. And there's nothing wrong with that. But in the community that matters to me, where I grew up, nobody's learning how to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They'd rather have a brand new car over a brand new house. Yeah. They'd rather have brand new shoes over food on the table. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Hey, they'd rather work for the rest of their life than have a retirement and, and chill. And I'm just like, nah, let's talk. We'll figure it out. You know? And, and I want to be that person that I can actually follow through when I say I'm going to give back to my community. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a little a, about me. Hope, you know, hopefully that, that encompasses what, what I'm working on. Right. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, that, that actually, uh, that's very interesting. You, uh, said that, um, <clears throat> because I, I was recently did a podcast on an episode on the wealth and equality gap. And, uh, from my, um, uh, research, I was, I was studying how, um, home ownership. And so in the black community, in the 80s, home ownership was about 44% of the black people owned a home. And then fast forward to today, we're down about 0.3%. And then uh, looking at the, the Latino community, um, they were at about 32%. And then fast forward to about, I think it was 2016. So not technically today, I don't know what the numbers are today, but 2016, they were at about 45%. And so, you know, it kind of showed that increase in like, okay, like, 
people coming together, buying homes, uh, building wealth and things of that nature, even though the numbers are still low, because when you look at Caucasians or whites, they are, they're at about like, I think 71% home ownership of the white population. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's really, that's really dope that you're, that you're uh, focused on doing that. Uh, what, what do you feel like, um, was a practical way that, that you address the needs of, of the community that you saw, um, in regards to, um, these things about building wealth, like, you know, what was those conversations like kind of walk us through a little bit of that? Yeah. So I, I guess this, this can be a broad question, but, um, when it came to, to practicality and, and again, I would, I would just keep calling it added value to the people that, that matter to me. The first thing was I'm bilingual, right? So I can speak another language. So there's a pretty large Latino uh, uh, presence in the Midwest. I would argue that it's, it's growing very rapidly. And the first thing was just getting in front of people that no one had ever talked to them in their native tongue, right? So I was looking at the research and all the data of all the advisors, at least in my state, and to my surprise, I'm only one of maybe a handful of advisors who also do work bilingually, mm-hmm. right? 90% of the advisors in the state that I'm in do not work explicitly in another language. They work, or rather, they work explicitly in one language and do not kind of mix trades. So if they are working with the Hispanic community, the Latino community, they're not speaking to them in Spanish, mm-hmm. right? So my first thing was saying, hey, how can I add more value by being the real representation of the people that matter? You know, just speaking to them in the way that they understand, right? Just telling them what it is, telling them how it looks, right? That was the first thing. Um, And so that was super important for me. Everybody that's on my team right now is bilingual, speaks right and does work in Spanish. And it's crazy because the industry is behind. So we've been having to translate stuff by ourselves, putting it through compliance, making sure it's legal, making sure it's clear to then use it. So most of the time we're just translating off rip to make sure that they understand what's going on. Uh, and then the other thing to be, um, to be, uh, what, what, I'm sorry, what was the the word you used in that question? Uh, to be transparent or be practical. Practical. Yes. The other thing was uh, the way we do advising doesn't cost anything for the consumer or the client. Mm-hmm. So practicality was saying, Hey, I understand my community probably cannot afford a wealth manager, probably cannot afford to drop anything on planning because they're dropping it on things that are probably more important, right? So just saying to them, hey, the company pays me for the work I do. Let's just sit down and have the conversation. As long as we can spend 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, I promise you're going to see value in the conversation that we have. So it's not going to cost you anything, just time. What does your time look like? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Okay. That's, that's good to know. That's good to know. Um, so what, what are some of the things that, um, I mean, obviously, you know, like with this lack, um, of education within the Latino community, um, you know, there, there, there may be some trouble. Uh, you said you had some trouble, like kind of like translating, certain concepts and things like that. Cause mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure like, you know, how much of this uh, goes back to even, you know, Mexico or other Spanish speaking nations um, that have, um, you know, uh, societies, obviously societies and stuff, but like, just kind of like, how do you talk about like, okay, like a portfolio or a stock or like, just like, uh, just like approaching those concepts in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, okay, like, I, I'm not sure. I don't know Spanish, so I don't know how the language translates 
into right, those, right. you know, when you talk about, you know, a U.S. bond or a treasury, right, right, right. you know, stuff like that. I would say the first thing is really laying out the importance of what it means to be financially secure. Mm-hmm. And once people can grasp that, the rest of it is cake. Like, it's not that hard for people to understand it, mm-hmm. right? So really the big part that I always ask people is, hey, Daryl, um, what does it mean to be financially secure to you, right? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And then they give me their definition and I always say, hey, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Your definition is unique to you. But the reality is there's always three foundations that are needed in order to be financially secure. So they follow me along this conversation and the three foundations, I can even talk about, talk about them right now, mm-hmm. um, is really risk management, wealth accumulation, and then the distribution of that wealth. Yeah. Right. So pretty much I'm just telling the client, hey, or the prospect or whatever you want to call them, hey, so-and-so. These three things are super important for your for your financial security. Is it important to you to make sure that your money and your income does not change? Yes. Is it important for you to put your your money in a place where it can make money for you? Yes. Is it important for you to then create a legacy? Yes. Yeah. And boom, boom, boom. We break down those three concepts. Risk management is defense, right? How are you protecting yourself? How are you protect your income? Wealth accumulation is investing right? It's offense. Where can we put your income to make more money for you? And then the last one, the distribution of wealth is creating legacy. Hey, do you have a legacy? Do you know who your ancestors are? If the answer is no, is it important for you to leave something for the next generation behind you? And nine times out of 10, that, that answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm sure like, you know, um, I mean, you know, I, I can't speak for the whole Latino community, but you know, I, I have some close uh, friends of mine who, you know, come from Mexico and, and, and had to, you know, start from the ground up, you know, or, uh, yeah, or, or Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Colombia, Cuba. I mean, dude, there's so many different uh, yeah, yeah. groups and, and, and regions of people that not only come here from the bottom up, but have completely way, different ways of thinking about money, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So ha- have you ever tapped into like, um, so, um, there's, um, stocks on, uh, the U.S. stock exchange um, mm-hmm. that are uh, more foreign um, kind of Latin based countries uh, st- uh, stocks. And so like one of them I was invested in was uh, Ambev, which is a a, uh, a beer, beer company and uh, they have okay. ownership of uh, Butch. And so um, okay. and, you know, I was kind of learning more about their balance sheets and looking at their debt and looking at like, okay, this, they actually in a good, good situation considering COVID happened because they didn't have a whole lot of debt. Um, So have you looked into like certain stocks like that and kind of, you know, in your education, like, okay, like are these some companies that, that you, that you want to support that are on the U S stock exchange or like kind of how do you go about that? Or do you mostly do U S stocks or do you get into like foreign stocks? Tell me about that. I would say it's um, nine times out of 10 an easy answer that most advisors are going to give you is it, it depends, right? Mm -hmm. Because everybody's completely different. Everybody's unique and they react emotionally. They react socially. They react uh, um, in many different ways, depending on that. But in the case of investments, I would say um, if there's local businesses that I can invest in, whether it be upfront capital, whether it be that they're on the stock exchange and I can invest in them, if the numbers look right, then why not, right? Yeah. Um, it's not going to be something that I drop 
tons of money in like my standard portfolio, but it's definitely an opportunity for me to rebuild my community and help mm -hmm. those people that care. So in the case of when it comes to building portfolios for clients, we always say, hey, these are the general ones that are going to give you a standard return. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to just put a little bit extra somewhere else, go for it. Right. You don't you don't care if you lose a thousand dollars. You don't care if you lose five hundred. You don't care if you lose whatever that amount is, but they want to be able to support. So it always depends. But there's definitely there. Is, is your um, so would you say that most of like um, the investments that you um operate within or like more mutual fund based or um because like individual stocks is it's like uh it's like almost like a different type of game because i think we yep. were talking earlier and i'm yep. like going into like individual stocks and i'm like okay that's a whole different valuation yep. game and you know things you have to research versus like you know obviously you got to research a, a mutual fund mm -hmm. or whatnot but okay. uh it's, it's different because like a pool of companies rather than individual yep so, so one, uh, I like I like that question. So, one of the key things that we pay attention to, at least in, in the sake of uh, Northwestern Mutual and us being brokers and a lot of uh, different companies, is that um, stability is always going to be the first thing we look for. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if we're trying to get a return for the client and it's not stable, even if they say super aggressive and they're okay with it not being stable, they don't they don't care if it's volatile we're still going to look to a place to at least add a backbone to that volatile yeah, uh, investment, yeah. right? Um, so when it comes to the investment strategies that we utilize, it's usually paying attention on top of mutual funds, really to diversify portfolios and the nine asset classes, and really just adding a few points into each one of those nine asset classes. So whether it be, you know, commodities, international emerging markets, uh, large, medium, small cap stocks, mm -hmm. um, uh, um, the the other three are, are leaving my brain right now, but you get my point, right? So it's really adding diversity as best as we can and making sure that those high points are where the client wants them at. Yeah. So, so would you say, um, so how, how do you go about like, you know, um, obviously, you know, you've branded yourself and, and, uh, you know, your whole team can work with the Latin, Latin community. Um, and, so are you mostly like working with like retirement portfolios at jobs or are you like working on like Roth IRAs where they kind of set up their own traditional Roth IRA? Mm -hmm. uh, what, what, what kind of, uh, uh, you know, portfolios or, or retirement yep. funds are you working with? Yep, yep. Um, so are you asking purely for retirement or are you asking like general just, purpose? Just uh, like retirement and, you know, are you mostly like, Cause you have like, when you have a job, like you, some, sometimes they have like, you know, yeah. the financial advisor come and then, you know, talk to you about the portfolio at, at mm -hmm. your job that you have when mm -hmm. you have a um, 401k or whatnot. And then you have like people that set up their own Roth IRAs yeah. outside of that. And, and then yep. you have, you know, so like, are, are you mostly like, is your clientele mostly like tied to an employer or are they like individuals that, that you go out and find? It's, it's all across the board. So like, there's nothing stopping me from meeting with someone who has group benefits as opposed to doing investments privately for their retirement. Mm -hmm. um, again, it really is just a case of right fit. If I say to them, hey, what's important to you in the next 20 years when you retire, having X amount of money liquid, having X amount of money taxed, right? Do you want to have a million dollar lifestyle when you retire? Do you want to have a $50,000 lifestyle when you retire, right? Mm -hmm. So just finding those, those pain points and then adjusting accordingly. So a lot of people, their company matches, but the match is terrible. 
It's like yeah, yeah. 1%, 2%. So they're like, well, I want a little bit more money going into the retirement. I say, hey, look at a Roth IRA option. Look at if you want to do a, a, a UIL, universal life investment, you can do it that way. Um, you can do uh, pensions, annuities. You know, um, There's so, so many different ways for them to invest into the retirement. So it just depends what makes the most sense for them. Uh, so what kind of honest conversations do you have to have with like people not saying that no conversation is honest at all. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have like these difficult conversations that, you know, you have to be, um, you know, kind of more like brutally honest in, I, I would say mm -hmm. that I would think, mm -hmm. you know, like as far as like, say like someone comes to you and they're 60 years old, they don't want to work the rest of their life. You know, and, and obviously you have different dynamics within the Latino community where yeah. you have more community based, you know, and, and people come together and 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 support one another. And yeah. that's what, what from what I've seen on the outside and me being part of the black community, like those dynamics can look a little different at times. But um, so like somebody comes to you and they say, hey, you know, I, I want to retire, you know, and I'm thinking of this, like, you know, my mother, like she doesn't have uh, that much retirement and um, mm -hmm. she's still mm -hmm. working. Uh, my mother-in-law, she owns a daycare. She's still working and she's mm -hmm. in her sixties as well. And mm -hmm. so like, when I'm thinking of that, it's like, okay, well, what's the best way for them to like, you know, should they jump in now? Should they just save their money, move in with the kids, save their money? You know, like what, what, what do you, what do you think? Like what, what kind of advice do you give people in those situations? So it Usually it, it comes down to, hey, do you want to work, at least for, for people in, that are ready to retire, do you see yourself working for the next 20 years till you're 70? Mm -hmm. Nine times out of 10 is no, right? Because <laughs> who want, when they're there, maybe when they were younger, they say, yeah, I'll work to 70. And then they're like 50 and 60. They're like, nah, I don't want to work no more. You know, like <laughs> stuff changes, life changes, right? Um, and, and in that case, I usually tell them, hey, this is the reality you're looking at things, I would say, a little bit late in life, but mm. there's not much we can do. And yeah. I just laid in front of them. Either you do this and fund this annuity or whatever, and you'll have a little bit more paid out for retirement. Or you do this and you have this available. Or you do this and you have this available. Yeah. Nine times out of ten at that late period of life, um, again, it's a little hard to get into those things because they've are, it's not that they've wasted time, but they haven't put in sooner. We call it the cost of waiting, right? Or opportunity cost. Yeah. The longer you wait to start something, the, your upfront capital becomes like overwhelming. So then at this point, a lot of them can't even fund into their, into their retirement because it's just too expensive to get to what they want to get to. Mm -hmm. So at this point, it's just like, Hey, this is what we can do. Do you want to put in five or six grand a year for the next 10 years? Yes, no, maybe so. And then, you know, call it what it is. Like they're, they're, there's always not that much we can do in the yeah. space of late later in life. So that conversation comes down to, Hey, let's at least make sure when you do pass away, you're leaving something for your children or mm -hmm. whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that, you know, that's the sad reality, you know, within our country, like, cause a, a lot of people, you know, are, are, are losing their retirement. I remember, mm -hmm. um, um, a friend, uh, not a friend, but a client of mine, uh, at my job, um, uh, he, he lost, um, I think what was it like half of his retirement back in March, 
you know, and, and that was scary for him, but he wasn't ready to retire yet. So imagine someone getting ready to retire and, and they saw that big dip. And yep. I mean, obviously, you know, there are some benefits to, you know, the Fed coming in and kind of bailing out the markets and stuff like that, because people that weren't able to retire back in March because of the huge sharp drop we've seen, like, you know, 80 percent or whatever, um, you know, if they waited out this year, you know, they would have pretty much been back to where they are and, and can retire. You know, so um, so it's definitely, uh, you know, I do criticize the Federal Reserve a lot, but, you know, that that is that is uh, an important thing. You know, people work hard, you know, and 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 want to retire, you know, and things like that. So it's good for them. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. So um, let's kind of get get on another topic, you know, so like we you know, we, we've been kind of chatting off off, uh, you know, off screen and and um, and we've kind of talked a little more about capitalism and and I've, I've had a few um you know kind of facebook kind of uh back and forth about uh socialism and capitalism um and me like i consider myself more of a capitalist than a socialist and i, I do have some uh socialist things that i do believe in that I, I do believe we need you know as far as like taxation for uh mm-hmm. to fund uh police and and fire departments and you know ambulances and and things like that um but then, well, I guess ambulances, they charge you money, but <laughs> they come out, you get that $900 bill, you know, uh, sometimes I think uh, I drove myself to the hospital one day when my uh, appendix was, uh, I think, uh, was about to burst or something. And and I drove myself to the hospital, bro, because I was like, I'm not trying to pay no freaking $900 for no ambulance bill. But um, so like you have the taxation that, that do fund, you know, uh, education and, and things of that nature. But then you also have like, you know, uh, a lot of people would say, okay, well, obviously capitalism was built on the back of slaves, like slaves were used to build capitalism. And then you had, you know, you, you got that horror part of history that you yeah. know I'm, I'm definitely not in support of. And then you have like, in other countries, you have socialism. That's like, okay, you get, everybody gets like more of a, not everybody, but in some countries you get more of a um, uh, quality education in college because like, you know, here, like if you have a lot of money, you can go to the big schools, you know, yep. if you don't, then you just got to get to where you can, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, so kind of what, what's your ideas on that? You know, cause uh, you know, I've been kind of just trying to process like, okay, what ideals of socialism do I agree with? But you know, and then um, what ideas I don't agree with, because I, I don't believe that right. government needs to be more involved in the private sector, you know, for sure. For sure. spending as much money as they spend. it. so what's your thoughts on it? So the way that I digest and have this conversation with a lot of friends, because at the end of the day, I at least want people to just think about it. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no absolute right. There's no absolute wrong. You know, unless we're talking spiritual, then then we'll have, you know, our conversation with that. Right. But when it comes to um, understanding capitalism and, and communism in the, the economic sense, I always tell people this is the reason why the United States is in this particular situation. OK, people always say, oh, you know, Canada, they have universal health care or this person has universal education or this people have universal blah, 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 whatever. Right. Um, and to that point, they're right, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're not wrong, but I always say the United States is special because, um, we're a democratic Republic. We're not a, people think we're like a pure democracy. We're not right. Mm-hmm. We're a democratic Republic. 
What does that mean? Technically, if you want to think of it this way, we're 50 countries under a contract. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. People think 50 states and blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, no, no. We're United States of America, but we're really, we're 50 countries that mm-hmm. fall under a constitution and the law. So what does that mean? Each state has the ability to do whatever they want in those regards. Yeah, yeah. Which is why you have such a variance in education opportunity, why you have such a variance in healthcare, why you have such a variance in all these different things, mm-hmm. right? That freedom definitely affects our return and our economy and the things that we can compete with on the scale of capitalism. But that freedom also allows people that make nothing to make something, Mm -hmm. right? It allows people to have flexibility in ways that they would not have in other places. You know what I mean? Um, So I I think that's a really, really big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as far as uh, like overall capitalism and communism works, we were just talking about it, but I think, Communism is good in the household. It's good in the church, right? If my dad, you know, before I got married, my dad would bring food for the family, right? And we commune on this food. We eat together. We sleep together. We have this home together and we do our daily things, ideally bringing everything back for the household, right? Mm-hmm. Really, that's that's a small communistic network that's working in that family. And traditionally, that's the way things were, right? Mm-hmm. The same thing with church. We all tithe to work on the church, to improve the church. And then as a result, the church has better, you know, uh, we have lunches available. We have donations we can get, right? That's that's what that's made for. But the moment you start scaling those things up, that's when the issues happen, right? I, I, a great example of, of how economies of scale and, and, and scale impacts really the ability to be communistic or, or, uh, um, or capitalistic is I was watching a video on uh, Bugatti uh, and they have, a, a you know, the, the Veyron, the Bugatti, uh, mm-hmm. Chiron, all these crazy cars. They go 1.2, 2.4 million dollar vehicles. Right. And the, the guy made a great point that I think could totally apply to how uh, um, income goes and, and how the economy works for for communism and capitalism. But he said the ability to go from 150 miles an hour to 200 miles an hour, you're like, oh, that's only a 50 mile an hour difference. Mm-hmm. He's like, it, you, you're forcing a car and an engine to work. It was working, let's say, 10 times as hard from 100 to 150. But he's saying from 150 to 200, it's like 20 or 30 times as hard for only 50 more miles an hour, yeah. right? To me, that's the same thing with the economy. That's mm-hmm. the same thing with communism and capitalism, right? It works on a small scale, but the moment you add variances to the the amount of work for the return increases so much that on a, a large scale, communism doesn't work as well. It starts to fall apart at the edges because people's opinions get in the way, people's feelings get in the way, people's perspective gets in the way, right? Mm-hmm. Those freedoms affect how those things work together. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, you know, even I, I was kind of just thinking, you know, uh, just, you know, being you know, believer in Christ and, and, uh, you know, thinking about like in the Bible, it's like, okay, well, Abraham and them, they had freedom, you know, so they, they had, you know, their, their, you know, their, uh, their goats and everything. So they were able to build wealth without the involvement of government. But then obviously you go to more of like a feudal feudalism, you know, where you have a King and and an empire and yeah, yeah, yeah. So you go to feudalism and things like that. And so, you know, I was kind of processing that. I was like, okay, what what part in the Bible was capitalism there? You know, and then obviously we see the feudalism and I don't think we've ever seen communism in the Bible. But um, 
but I, I do kind of think of like um, the government involvement, obviously, um, you know, uh, a lot of businesses are having a hard time starting up because of just so much regulations, um, you know, that, that shouldn't be there that aren't necessary. And then you have, um, you know, uh, government being irresponsible with the money that they do receive from the taxpayers. So you have that piece of it. Um, and you, when you think about these things, it's like, okay, well, like, okay, you know, I call America like capitalism for the poor, socialism for the rich. And when I say that, it's like, okay, like we, we had, we had the big bailouts for the huge corporations, you know, in, in a free market capitalist society, it would have been like, okay, well, you mismanage your money. You didn't save up for a rainy That's day. That's on you, correct. That's on correct. you, you know what I'm saying? And so like, as opposed to, you know, us going in and bailing out and then you had the airlines freaking like holding holding the government hostage. If, if you don't give us a bailout, we're gonna lay off, you know, however many thousand people, you know? So when you think about that stuff, it's like, it's like, okay, yeah, like this, this is where, I agree with capitalism because it's like, you know, these big corporations like, you know, okay, well, somebody else need to take the reins. Somebody, a better okay. competitor needs to come up and with, with better financial responsibility and, and take that place. You know, we shouldn't have, you know, these institutions or these corporations that are just, they're solid in their place. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh no, like the government shouldn't be bailing them out. Like, yeah, they, they do have employees that need jobs, but we're, we're already, you know, paying, you know, we're, we're in the negative even more as a result of your stupidity is what happened. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, I, I kind of think about that stuff, you know, and, and, um, you know, government involvement has increased over, you know, like largely over time, like we haven't had a, a, a true like free market capitalist society in, in decades, you know, but um, we still have kind of a blend of it. You know, and, and right now we get a lot of people, you know, they're like, well, it's capitalism that did this. And it's like, well, actually, we, we do have a lot of socialist kind of practices that that we've kind of that merged into it. Right. Correct. Yeah. 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 So. So, yeah. So, you know, that, and that that conversation, like, you know, some people like, you know, they, they get really, really hot over it. You know what I'm saying? And and mm -hmm. rightfully so. I, I do think that the you know, there there is a level of support that is needed for people that are really trying that are really needing help you know people on disability it's like okay well if this person really can't work somebody has to take care of them you know and and, and i do believe that you know uh taxpayers can take care of that you know yeah. um if this person is elderly don't don't have you know um no uh no kids or grandkids around or you know like it's like okay well i i can see that you know we should take care of our people in that way um but then again, is you have that, where's the balance at? Where's the line at? You know, because yeah, obviously you get people that take advantage of the system. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. You know, and I mean, you look at all these unemployment scams and everything happened this year. Tax fraud, yeah, all the time. Sending stimulus checks to dead people. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was just like, uh, you know, one of my friends, uh, she, uh, you know, she worked at the mall. So, you know, um, she don't get paid a whole lot, you know, working at the mall. But she didn't even get a stimulus. You know, and it's like, okay, like how you didn't get a stimulus, but we sent it to deceased people, you know, <laughs> you know, so yeah, when, you yeah, no, about, that's valid. when you think about that stuff, it's like, okay, well, we have a incompetent government in the sense of financial responsibility with how much debt we've run up and, um, 
And, you know, some of these people may have good intentions. Some of these people, obviously, you have people that are getting into their own, um, you know, uh, they, they're in it for what they can get out of it, you know. And, and I, would say, I would say to that point, um, a, a bigger issue, too, that I don't think we consider enough is that we pay attention more to the branches. Like, let's think of a tree. We pay attention more to the branches mm-hmm. as opposed to the roots, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is our local governments affect yeah. the people i would argue more than the the overall government of the united states right so our mayors our 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 council members our our uh, whatever you want to call them right mm-hmm. they definitely affect us way more than the overarching government does and then the the you know big brother comes in and steps in and adjusts when he needs to right yeah, but yeah. i would even say like we as a people just need to do our due diligence and, and point out the things that make more sense in our community uh, to our local governments, which I don't think we do enough, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Then we're yelling at, you know, the president saying, hey, president, you're a terrible president, blah, 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 when a bill was passed in the state and we didn't even know it was passed and it taxes us more. And we're just like, why is the government taxing us more? It's like, no, you just didn't know your local ballots were passing something and now you're mad at other people, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, it's, and, and, you know, my point is, like, more of just, like, it's still government, you know what I'm saying? And it's for not sure, like, for sure, absolutely. But it's local government it's ne- as opposed absolutely. to, like, uh, national. Um, Correct. Correct. And, you know, and my thing with, like, you know, communism, socialism, or, or, you know, whichever one, um, I mean, they kind of have distinct differences, but um, I, I look at, like, okay, if we put someone in power, you know, um, and those people can have absolute power, you know, and and you look at those types of things. It's like, okay, you can get somebody really corrupt in there, you know, and, and my thing is like, if we had honest and people with integrity in our governments, you know, which there, there is some people out there, you know, but there are some people that, that aren't, you know, and, and, you know, we can, that's arguably, you know, what percentage, you know, how many people have integrity, how many people don't, and and you do have people that are power hungry to have these personalities that they they have, whether it's a superiority uh, complexes or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And, and they get in these positions of power, you know, like if we go to a communist society or anything like that, then you can get somebody like that in 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 a leadership position. I mean, you look at Hitler, you know, you look at, you know, these other Mussolini or whoever, you know, that got into these positions. Obviously, that was fascism, which was a a total different branch but this stuff is like interesting man like you know and and it plays it plays a role in our daily lives you know especially you know with government involvement and like okay at what point do the government needs to involve at what point do they don't need to be involved you know uh and just let the free market handle itself because you know we can say that you know right now one of the hot topics is uh you know um uh, systemic racism mm-hmm. it's like okay yeah yeah i agree that things need to be put in place. But at the same time, you know, uh, free market capitalism. will correct it. Yeah, we'll correct it because of, you know, you have, uh, you know, the competition aspect. It's like, okay, you're not hiring black people? Okay, black people ain't going to support your business. Correct. They're going to fail. Exactly. Exactly. And so. Or uh, if you do, if you do succeed, you're just succeeding in that group. You're never going to progress yeah. To the point of a, of a, yeah, that's, that's valid. I, yeah, I agree. You're going to have some horrible uh, news coverage on you. <laughs> it's what it is, right? I, yeah. I, I think to your point, I, um, I see where you're coming from. A lot of people would be upset about that, but like, Hey, 
if there's a company that's actually racist, let them do their thing, let them stay in their corner, and the other kids will play, right? Let them be that kid in the corner and everybody else is chilling. So when they're wondering why their capital or, or their, their income or their growth in their company is halted, we know the reason, right? So either they adapt and adjust to the economy and they say, hey, we apologize, we're changing our values and everyone forgives you and forgets and moves forward or, right, that never happens and they yeah. stay in their corner and, and do their thing. So it really just comes down to where do you want to spend your dollar, you know? Yeah, so Totally agree. Definitely. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, uh, you know, I, I kind of just think of like, you know, with that, you know, we, we have a, a lot of laws like the Civil Rights Act and, and all of this stuff, like, you know, me doing my real estate license, like, you know, I was I was kind of just thinking through, you know, going through these times that we're in with George Floyd and everything that that's happened and addressing yeah. systemic racism. You know, yeah. I'm doing my real estate course and I'm like, okay, I'm learning about steering, blockbusting, you know, uh, redlining and all this stuff and and how much laws have been implemented to prevent that from happening, you know, and how much consequences you receive if, if, if you uh, engage in a type of, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was kind of just thinking, I was like, huh, I was like, I was kind of just, you know, kind of playing around, like, how could I get away with this? Like if, if I was racist, um, you know, and how I, many I wanna, would you have to jump through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I, I would like, you know, blockbusting, like you go to different houses and you and you uh, and you tell them like, oh, well, minorities are coming in the neighborhood. You might want to list your property with me. It's like, OK, somebody's going to rat you out, <laughs> you know, like. Oh, yeah, everything. People remember conversations more than I want to admit it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. they'll, they'll be like, yeah, I was talking to this guy the other day. He told me X, Y and Z. And they're like. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So it, it has been, you know, I do think that we have progressed and and we do have a lot of laws that that do prevent this stuff. And, you know, once you get into like the whole thing with like, you know, you got police and whether that's qualified immunity and all of that stuff, I mean, some work may need to be done there. You know, I'm, I haven't looked fully into that, but there there is a lot of a lot of other places that that, uh you know, the laws are so strict that, you know, it's, it's hard to. um even even be racist or be unethical, you know, against anyone that's of age, gender, disability, race, you know, yeah. marital status, you know, all yeah. of that. So so it's, it's been a lot yeah. of protections in that in that way. Well, Matthew, man, I appreciate you joining me today, man. Um, you know, get into these uh, these uh, concepts and these topics, um, you know, so where, where can the people find you? Uh, I'm going to leave your links in the description. Just remind them where they can find you. For sure. Um, my contact info, like I said, my name is Matthew Martinez um, at Northwestern Mutual. You can shoot me an email at M-A-T-T-H-E-W dot M-A-R-T-I-N-E-Z at N-M dot com. Mm -hmm. And then you can shoot me a text or call me on my business phone, 216-905-4099. I am on call 24-7. So if you need something... Just don't send nothing weird. <laughs> just yeah, yeah, hit me yeah, up yeah. and I, and we can talk and touch base. It won't cost you nothing. Just introduce yourself. I promise. Yeah, I, I know. I know you got some of them call blocker apps and stuff. <laughs> yeah, believe me, <laughs> I do. <laughs> the, the robo call blocker apps, man. I, I need one of them, man. They just too expensive. You are being screened by Google. <laughs> Definitely. Well, uh, alrighty, man. Well, uh, appreciate you, man, and uh, thank you for joining the Mike Level Show today. It's a pleasure, my man. I'll talk to you soon.